our life objectives are so similar. We like challenges. You know, we actually have quite a lot of fun at the same time when we're doing this stuff. And we can be really hard on each other. It's not that we're giving each other an easy ride. The misconception is that emotions run the business. There is a huge stigma of being a couple and being ambitious with business. It's one of the first things we tell people. I think people then see us as a single entity. We kind of have a natural divide of resources and share the shit and, you know, the dogs get walked and somehow it works. We would definitely start another business of some description I together. I just find it far easier working with someone that yeah. you live with. I'm Trisha Bacon and this is Between the Spreadsheets, a series of conversations with inspirational couples who combine love and work to run a business together. I'm the founder of Couplepreneurs, a growing global community of couples in love and in business. And with millions of them across the globe, this is definitely a thing. So as we bust open the myths that exist around being a couplepreneur, we'll be finding out what it's really like and just how they juggle work, life, love and everything in between. If we ever stopped doing this, this particular business, we would start another business together. We would definitely start oh, yeah, another we've, business we've together. About it yeah, we've talked about other ideas and stuff, none of which are, are concrete at the moment. In this episode, we meet Michali Apostolides and Michelle French from Kama. Kama is a business-to-business, technology-driven storage and removals company. The business dates right back to 1900, as it was set up by Michali's great-grandfather. The family feel is still very much an intrinsic part of the culture, with Michali and Michelle as the couplepreneur at its helm. 119 years in, there is a real startup feel going on in the business, as there are some big innovations happening in new and somewhat unforeseen sectors. And it's amazing what can happen just from a chance meeting. So welcome Michali and Michelle to Between the Spreadsheets. One of the things about your business which I think is particularly fascinating is that you are 119 years old, so you are our oldest couplepreneur. <laughs> and also you are a couplepreneur that's gone from sort of a family-owned business yeah. into being a couplepreneur business. Yeah, we'll come on to talk about the business, but I always like to talk about love and business. And I'd like to take you back to when you first met how you both met and when that was, how long ago as well. Yeah, we met through work. I was running um, a small move consultancy with another woman at the time, probably about 94, 1994. And we were running this move business, so we used to have to go out to tender to contractors to actually carry out the physical move. And one of the contractors that we spoke to was an IT contractor, and he suggested we get in touch with McCallie's company to ask them to tender for some work. That's okay. how we actually met. And we didn't actually work together for a while, did we? We didn't. No, not for no. a uh, couple of years, probably. I think we probably did the first project together in about 96. Yeah, I think we tended a lot and didn't win anything. <laughs> but we didn't let that <laughs> come in the way of things, I, did we? I don't we? remember anything about the relationship, but I remember that. <laughs> well, clearly things have changed since then. <laughs> Indeed. So you still start working together, yeah. sort of back in sort of 96 or mid-90s. Yeah. And then what happens in terms of moving from working together to forming a relationship together? I think we just realised that we got on very well together. There was kind of synergy there between us. So we were really good friends for quite a long time, actually, really close friendship. And then it got to the point where you realise that you're speaking to somebody more than two or three times every day so you obviously realize then that there's more to it than just a business relationship mm -hmm. and then you you realize that when you're not seeing that person you actually miss speaking to them you miss 
seeing them so you realise that something has actually changed. It happens organically so it's actually difficult looking back now it's actually difficult to to say the point at which that happened because obviously it does happen over a gradual period of time but I think for me that's really what happened. Yeah, same for me. <laughs> oh, we're going to get a lot of this today. Yeah, what she said. No, you're, no, that's, you, that's you're a couplepreneur. You've both got to do the talking. Yeah. I'll be priming both of you. Okay, great. And, and you're married. Yeah, we got married in 2003. I, I, yeah. I started working with McCallie in 1998. So my business partner and I, the lady I've been working with, we decided to go our separate ways quite amicably. We're still really good friends. She wanted to go in a different direction and it wasn't really working for me at the time. And I had a young child from a previous marriage. So I needed some stability there. So somebody left McCallie's firm in the role that I was able to fulfil. So I joined the firm in 1998. So yeah. what, 21 years ago? Yeah. Good, yeah. So wow. that's, that's how we actually started working together. And obviously at the time, there were more family members working, which obviously we'll come on to later. Your mum and dad were very... Yeah, both my parents were still in the firm. Very involved in the firm at that time, 21 years ago, very heavily involved. Yeah. So I joined a family business, which was, you know, it was interesting. It was difficult at times, but it was ultimately very rewarding as well. And I think for me, it was quite nice having that heritage there, having that background of such a long history because it gave some stability to the firm as well which was quite good and in terms of the roles that you held at that time mm-hmm. when you came into the business I mean what were both your roles McCallie if you can I guess we're, we're, we've always well we were certainly at that point a small business so yeah. everybody does a bit of everything we were primarily a removal business at that point so we got to meet clients estimate put quotes together and then on the weekend you'd go out and make sure the work happened look after mm-hmm. it so I mean, I was certainly working seven days a week, Mm. just keeping it all going. Yeah, and Mm. I was working seven days a week, some weeks, six days a week, most weeks. But it was, at that point, it was a very different business. It's quite strange because although at that point it was getting on for 98 years old, it was almost like a startup. And we've been Mm. through several incarnations of this starting up a new business within a business. So it's it's like a phoenix that rises from the old, the ashes of the old business. Yeah, that's Mm. true. That's okay. quite a good way of um, describing it, actually. And yeah, that's, that's what we do at the time. We, I mean, we still do a little bit of everything, mm, don't we? We do, yeah. But at that time, it really was... All know, hands to the pumps, wasn't yeah, it, really? You know, I, yeah, would, I would estimate a job. I would still drive a truck occasionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's quite good fun. Mm, it was, yeah. But it's not sustainable forever. No. So what are the roles now? Are there specific roles that you both do within the business? We still, obviously, keep an eye on everything. As you do as business owners, you have to. But yeah, I think we're a lot more streamlined now as a company, aren't we? Everything, I mean, it's almost unrecognisable as to how it was in those days. It's not the same company at all, is it? It's a lot more organised. It is, yeah. Um, It's a lot more structured. Funny enough, at the moment, we're going through another period of restructuring, probably a bit of a a strong term, but we're sort of looking at the way we do things. I would say that you pretty much always focus on networking and marketing. That's your thing. Having said that, if we have a problem with a client, it doesn't happen very often, you'll go and deal with that. Yeah, you know, absolutely. one of us will deal with that. Yeah. So we'll jump onto anything that's yeah. that's necessary. Yeah. I'm probably more of a kind of MD. So it sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? MD sort of role. Why um, does that sound ridiculous? Just, when you're in a business sounds, that's sounds very grown up, to be honest. <laughs> Do you feel grown up? No, not at all. Okay. Not at all. I think I think we're still winging it and we're still doing things for fun. Because mm. we enjoy them. Um, we're not necessarily making decisions because, you know, there's sound commercial sense. 
we're doing it because sometimes we want to do it. Yeah, and sometimes you go on gut instincts. Yeah, what's we feel the feeling that yeah, we know it's going to work? Yeah, we feel something is a good idea to do. And because we're kind of in control, we can do that. We can say, yeah, let's let's try it. Let's try it for six months and see what happens. And mm. if we were beholden to shareholders, we wouldn't be able to do that. So, so when you're saying if you had shareholders, you don't think you could go on your gut, tell me more about that. So I suppose we're kind of jumping probably to the end of the story now, but... Yeah, we've been recently developing a new market storage for, for film and TV, which has sort of come from nowhere. And I think we've spent money developing an online system. Yeah. We've spent money going out to LA and knocking on doors and seeing people with no, no guarantee of return. I think if we had investors yeah. at that stage, if we had investors and shareholders, it would have been very difficult to justify what we thought was a good idea. Going out and spending probably $10,000 a trip, mm. maybe a little bit less, yeah. but possibly no return. Mm. You know, maybe our time and money could have been better spent elsewhere. So you feel completely in control of what you're doing? Yeah. 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 And I think also yeah. with our online system, when we redeveloped that two years ago, we spent a little, you know, probably 100000 on that. And again, there was no guarantee that it would increase our business, but we just knew it would. And it has, by the way. But the buck stops with you, yeah, doesn't it? Indeed. And, yeah. and you, right. you can decide. Yes. And yeah. you can yeah. take that risk exactly. without having to, yeah. I suppose, think about or go and ask or indeed, check indeed. with other people. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah, we yeah. make the decision and we just yeah. do it, which I think we, we like that fact, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's that works for us. It might mm. not work for everybody, but it works for us to be in that, as you said, in control of the situation. Mm. You've been in the business together for about 21 years but you have a business that's been going since 1900 so it's been going 119 years you're clearly doing something right but what would be I think quite wonderful is to hear a little bit about the story because I think it was your was it your great-grandfather yeah so tell us tell us a little bit more about where it started and then we can we can come into 2019 and what the future holds we started my great-grandfather who was living between Greece and England at the time and he was buying spoilt grain off the ships and selling it on in the east end of London. It was actually uh, Smyrna, which is now in Turkey. And then in 1922, we had what they call the catastrophe where Turkey basically took Smyrna back and the family came over. And he said, well, look, we better do this properly. So they started as general traders. They moved from grain into just general buying and selling. They were doing children's toys, clothing, proper kind of fools and horses stuff. Mm-hmm. And that led on to my grandfather and his two cousins taking over the business. The business was registered in 1937 as scrap metal merchants. And during the war, my grandfather ended up going off and fighting in Burma. But the company carried on, and one of the things they did was collecting railings for the war effort. They were part of a government scheme to mm-hmm. do that. And I think we went from there to scrap safes and it went from scrap safes to well can you move a safe for me and then well while you're moving that safe can you move a couple of desks and then the company got into removals which was kind of before my time so when I joined it was basically a removal company with a very very small storage bit because removals and storage go together and or, just, or just, re- and just remind us when you came into the business in about 1990 two or three okay, yeah. I've always been around it it's, yes. it's, 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 you don't remember that point at which you started full time you know all of a sudden you're working seven days a week instead of three 
so we ended up moving offices and we got quite big. We were probably one of the biggest office movers in London. Our thing was to take it on from there because that market is is receding with flexible working. People don't have a desk anymore. People don't have so many files. So one of our things was to take that on into storage because there's a real growth area. That's an industry that is growing and we're sort of at the front of it now. You moved from, I remember you saying that you were sort of a safe moving company where you feel like you've moved into a, a storage and technology business. Yes, so that's now, very yeah, interesting. Yeah, we kind of, we were a bit odd, in which we're part technology and part big old industrial. And we're pretty unique. No one else does what we do on that side. So we, we develop software to manage assets that are in store. The customer can log in from their phone or their tablet or their laptop, whatever they fancy. They can see what they've got in store, they can see images, they can see how much they've got. We record notes, you can add spreadsheets to your inventory and PDFs and pictures. I suppose it's the exact opposite of self-store. Rather than having to go to a storage unit and see what you've got and find it and pull it out, with us, people go online, they order what they want from store, gets delivered the next day. Same with the collection, if they want to take stuff into store, they can go go online just let us know what needs to be collected and we'll bring it into store for them. And is this just for businesses or this is so this is B2B or B2C or both? It's definitely just just, just businesses. B2B. So how interesting that you're moving into sort of more of the storage and also more new sectors. And I know there's a kind of a new sector around film and TV that we were talking about. And tell us more about how that came about. Um, I'd like to say that there was a great master plan, but it was actually kind of a bit of a chance situation. I went to a networking event and got chatting to a guy about our storage offering. So he said, oh, what makes you unique? You've got sheds. Lots of people have got sheds. What's unique about your storage? So we were chatting about it and I explained about the online system and how it works and he was suddenly quite interested and he said, oh, that's quite fascinating because I have a friend who works in one of the studios on the other side of London and they are tearing their hair out at the moment because they don't have a uniform storage solution. So I think perhaps you should probably speak to him. So we followed it up afterwards and had a meeting. And when we first met this chap, who was very friendly, very pleasant, but when we first met him, I think they were a bit jaded. I think that other people in the past had been in to speak to them about storage. And I think they'd been either let down or disappointed or it had come to nothing. And I think they felt when we went in to see them that day, oh, it's another storage company. It's not going to work. It's not going to come to anything. And we're going to be wasting our time. So they were really nice, very welcoming. But you could see they were kind of switched off with it. So we started chatting and we said, oh, you know, what are your specific pain points? What is it you've identified as a problem? The main pain points they seemed to have at the time was that there was no responsibility for their, they call them assets. So it can be anything. It can be props, it can be costumes, it can be scenery, it can be equipment. It can be anything that you would associate with the creation of either a a film or a TV programme. So it's anything that you would associate with needing to be stored for that production. And I think in the past, the problems that they'd identified were that there was no ownership. So the stuff just got shoved in a shed somewhere, literally. Security was a big problem for them because a lot of these assets, particularly some of the costumes and some of the props, are actually recognisable in some of the productions. So they have a a responsibility to protect the identity of that object. Um, And the other problem is a lot of people in that industry tend to work as freelance. So they work on a production for a period of time and then their contract ends and the production, it finishes and closes down. 
and they move from production to production. So the people that were involved in that production, that particular team, are disseminated all over the place. So if anything needs to happen with the stuff that's in store, nobody has any idea where it is, what it is. There's no responsibility there at all. And it was a huge headache for them, wasn't yes, it? Yes, no, no continuity. No continuity there at all. That's quite extraordinary. And security was a huge problem. They took us to a facility and there were items from a particular production in that facility. And we just walked in. There was no security mm. there. Nobody questioned us. We walked in. And while we were in there, other people turned up and started taking items. You know, they were given permission to do so. But the problem was they were taking stuff and nobody was recording what they were removing. So nobody had any idea what was still there, what had been taken away. They didn't realise that it mm. didn't have to be that way. Mm. So then we brought them to see our facility to show them how we do it, and they were absolutely blown away with it. But what really clinched it for them, actually, what really kind of turned their attention to us was the online system. Once they saw the online system, which actually cancelled out all of those problems that they'd experienced, took away all those pain points, that's the point at which they said, oh, we need this, we have to have this. And I think as a sales tool, Mm. it's been Mm. absolutely amazing. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think once they see how easy it is and they start playing with the system themselves and they see how user-friendly it is, they think it's going to be very complicated and very dry, I think. Yeah. And it's not. And, of course, the reason that it works is because the system has been developed in conjunction with our existing corporate clients. Mm. So we've actually had the system in place since about 1999, 2000, in some form or another. And over the years, obviously, we're constantly developing it. About two or three years ago, we invested a lot of money to really push it through to the next step, to the next level. But we did a lot of what we did as a direct result of feedback from our clients. We went to our clients and said, "Okay, you're using the system every day. What do you think? And they all said, yeah, we love it. And then we said, okay, is there, is there stuff that you'd like it to do that it currently doesn't do? And then we got loads of feedback and people saying, oh, yeah, it'd be great if it could do X, Y, Z. So then we went to our developers, with whom we've got a very close relationship. We went to our developers and said, how feasible is this? And that's what kind of started the ball rolling with, with the investment in the programme, yeah. wasn't it? It's like making storage sexy in yeah, a way. Yeah, exactly. It's, I mean, it yeah. it sounds, you that's know... Probably, that's, that's probably pushing it a bit. But, <laughs> but it's, it's showing the advantage of owning your own software. As clients come back to us now and say, well, that's great, but it would be even better if you could do this, we then develop that for yeah. them. And some things, you know, we can develop in as little as two weeks and we can go back to them and give them that feature. And then you've got a client for life. So what does the future hold then for you? Hmm. Wow. <laughs> I'm never sure about that one. No. Um, it's really good. We're back, yeah, a couple of years ago, especially with Brexit, things were really tight. Yeah, they were. But now we're kind of back, in, back where we should be. I suppose our issue now is is how do we develop the business? Because the, part of the problem we have is that with warehousing, you need a building, and they're really expensive, especially mm-hmm. in the southeast. So what we're looking at is how do we develop a business without necessarily buying 10 new warehouses? So we're looking at one option is to do kind of exclusive developments for people whereby a client will take a certain space for a certain time, and we'll source that for them, and then we'll run it on their behalf. And then on the software side, we're looking at maybe we can white label it so that Mm -hmm. by changing the back end, we can create a bespoke product for individual clients. So we'll still have that core of clients that use the original product and we'll still develop that and they store with us. I think maybe in the future, we'll start having some of our larger clients will take a whole space and have a system that works with them. One of the requests we've had quite recently is someone that wants to use our system globally. 
So we're looking at how can we develop it so that it works with other software, mm-hmm. and then they can use it not only with us, but you know, the warehouses in America and in Europe, all over the place. Mm. And presumably if you're going to the States and you're going to the film industry, then that's just a natural kind of development to be able to kind of create something which is truly global. I suppose so, yeah. Yeah, we hadn't really thought about it, actually, because mm. the reason we went to the States initially wasn't because we had an idea of doing business in the States. It was that we were dealing with people in the studios who are based in Los Angeles, but the productions that we were storing for were mainly in the UK and also in Europe as well. But primarily, we didn't really think about the American market as such because we thought they will have solutions out there, which they do, but even in the States, they don't have what we have. They still do it quite manually, actually. It's quite labour-intensive and it is quite manual. Yeah, a lot of paper-based systems. Yeah, a lot of paper-based systems, which we were quite surprised about, actually. That kind of potential opportunity has surprised us a little bit. It wasn't what we thought would happen, was it? So, as I say, it comes back to what we were saying earlier about going into new markets and is it by design or by, you know, by accident? And, again, this is kind of... We weren't expecting this, were we? No, see, we, it's a bit of both. Yeah, I think we're good at making the most of an opportunity. I would say that about us. I think there's a little bit of luck involved, definitely. There's a little bit of being in the right place at the right time. But I think... If you haven't got the personality to to make the best of that opportunity, then you miss out. And mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things we're very good at, is we're good at seizing those opportunities and seeing what we can get from them. Yeah. You know, for example, when we first went out to LA, we had one meeting, two meetings. Well, I suppose we should be honest now, shouldn't we? That the reason we went and we did that first <laughs> trip to LA was because I had a conference call with a studio I got very, very excited about it, probably a bit overexcited, and said, why don't we have a meeting? I'll come over and see you. And that was it. We were committed to going out there. Yeah. So then we spoke to people we knew within our side of the industry. I said, look, we're going. Can you get us some more meetings? Can we, we've got to justify this somehow to ourselves. And that's kind of what happened, wasn't it? We ended mm. up with two or three meetings. Yeah. But then we also created some more Yeah, we that's what there, I was going to say. When we were out there then, mm-hmm. speaking to people, we then managed to blag our way into other studios and other companies while we were out there. And I love that, Michelle. That, you know, <laughs> at no point are you are you making this strategic. No, no. You know, no, no you're blagging no, no, your, blagging, blagging, your, you're yeah, blagging blagging. way I'm in. afraid so. Yeah, I'm afraid so. I'd love to make it sound strategic, but <laughs> I'd be lying. I think when it's your own company as well, I think it helps you to focus more. I think perhaps if we were just employees and we'd been sent out with this task, I think we would have treated it perhaps a little bit more like a jolly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we're off to L.A. for, you know, five days. Brilliant, yeah. We would have done a little bit of work because, you know, we're those kind of people. But I'm not sure you're quite as dedicated. But when it's your own company and when it's your own bottom line and you know that you've got to justify to yourselves at the end of the year that you've spent, you know, 10K or whatever on a trip, I think what, one of the things we're good at is we are quite tenacious. Mm. And I think the tenacity is the key to it, really, because I, I go to a lot of these networking things and I speak to a lot of people in different sectors. And I think that's the difficulty with what we do, particularly what, what I do, is not losing momentum and not becoming despondent 
because it takes a while for these things to filter through. You know, you can go to a networking event, meet somebody who says, oh yeah, that's fascinating, that's brilliant, yeah, I really do need that. Or I'll introduce you to so-and-so and you, oh, and in the beginning when I first used to do it, I used to tend to think, oh, probably we're gonna get something from this really quickly. But actually, you normally don't. It usually takes quite a few months of going back to somebody and then being introduced to other people and whatever to actually get anything. And I think you have to be prepared for that. And I, I think we are now, I think we're much more realistic about yeah. it. Because, I mean, the film and TV stuff didn't take off overnight. When we describe it like we do now, it sounds like it did, but it's been quite hard work, hasn't it? Yeah, it took us probably six months to get the next yeah. kind of injection of clients. Yeah. And now, funny enough, we're just coming up to our next lot of clients coming yeah. in six months later. Yeah. Mm. But you know how long it takes to get a client. Absolutely. But yeah. also, if someone's going to say no, get them to the point they say no. Don't faff about dancing around it get to that point very quickly yeah. and then we both know where we stand. I suppose if we look at the sales function, then Michelle, you were saying networking yeah. and marketing, yeah. but you didn't mention the word sales. Is sales wrapped up in what you do? Yeah, I suppose it is. We don't actively call it that, but I suppose... Yeah, I don't think we... I suppose we do do sales. Yeah, I suppose. Well, you clearly do because you're turning over a multi-million pound business. I just, <laughs> yeah. I just like to add, well, you, have, are, you are selling. <laughs> we haven't got any sales <laughs> Okay, so that's no. what's going to come on no. to because I remember you telling me that. Yeah, so no, I was actually a bit flabbergasted when you said, you know, it's only us selling. Yeah. You know, we've been in the business 21 years. We're, I suppose, re-engineering some things, restructuring yep. some things. And you're at the point now where you're thinking more about the sales model yeah. because you're going into different sectors. Absolutely. Yeah. So who's doing the selling? It's the two of us. Yes, I mean, we're kind of doing that as well as our day jobs. What does the future hold then in terms of kind of the sales function? Because cause how yeah. many people have we got in the business at the moment? We've got about 21, is it? We've pared it down just through retirement. What, what tends to happen with our business is people join us and they are either last a week or they stay forever. So we've had a few people retire mm. that we haven't needed to replace. And we outsourced our, our accounts function a couple of years ago as well, just to streamline stuff and make stuff a bit more efficient. Yeah, and we, we outsourced our workshop. Yeah, we outsourced our payroll as well. So yeah. But we only good. did that. I mean, our, we had a lady that did the accounts and payroll, and she retired. She retired, yeah. At that point, we outsourced it. The guy that was our mechanic and ran our workshop, he retired. Retired, yeah. So at that point, we outsourced the workshop. And how do you feel about bringing in other people to go out and sell and market what traditionally you both have been responsible for doing. How does that make you feel? I flip day to day between, God, we should have some salespeople, to, I don't think anyone does it as well as we do. Mm. And I think probably the future is maybe bringing in people to do some of our functions. Yeah, I think you're right. And let us concentrate more on what you might call sales. (laughs) Um, Which we probably wouldn't call sales. (laughs) We took on a general manager in December. I'm sort of still training up to it. It's quite hard to sort of let go of some bits, but he's taken over some of my functions and that frees up time for me to go out and see customers. Mm. But new customers and existing, you know, you've got to spend time with your existing yeah, you customers. Yeah, you have to look after the existing Because we have a good well. relationship with them yeah, and they do. keep coming back to us. And when you were saying, sort of even some time ago, when you both came into the business, you were sort of, you'd gone from working, you know, when you first came in, Mac, from working three days to seven, six or seven, and, and often, Michelle, you would be doing the same thing. Yeah. So what happens when you go home? Are there boundaries? And do you and can you switch off from the business as a couplepreneur? No, not really, I don't think. I think it's quite difficult to. But I don't find that particularly stressful because sometimes when you're not in the work environment, you are able to talk more freely about 
the way things are going, about what you're happy about, what you're not happy about. You've also got more time to think and to formulate ideas, to formulate new plans and to just kick some ideas around, which we do a lot of. Yeah, I don't want to sound like we talk about business the whole time because we don't. No, we don't. But then we don't talk about business at work all the time. No. I think for, for me, it's very fluid. We don't work nine till five and that's the hours we think about the business. We almost work, well, we do, we work seven days a week, 24 hours a day because it's our business. Mm. But then we don't talk about it all of that time. Yeah. We don't think about it all of that time. We, it just merges. It's just part of your yeah. life. Mm-hmm. That's what running a small business is. Yeah, for me, I, I have heard of some people having this kind of rule in place that when you finish work, that's it. You don't talk about work anymore. And your parents were a bit like that from what I saw of yeah. your parents, that your dad never spoke about work at home, did he? No. He kind of had an unwritten rule that he never spoke about business at home. And I don't particularly like that restriction to be imposed because I think sometimes you want to do that. And I think if you if you feel that you can't, if there's a restriction there, I think that can just cause more tension than anything else. Yeah, because you're maybe yeah. sitting on an idea yeah. and waiting for when you're allowed to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, and that's just not helpful either. Mm. But I, I think you're right. I think we talk about lots of things all through the day, or I do, and you listen quite a lot, yeah, obviously. Yeah, I'm, I'm a good listener. Yeah, obviously. I think we've sort of got the balance right, for us anyway. It may not work for other another couple. Yeah, and I think sometimes, yeah, when we're going through a lot of change, a bit like we are at the moment, we probably talk about it more. Yeah. And when we're not, we talk about it less. Less, yeah, mm. exactly. Your proof that not only can you have a family business that turns into a couplepreneur, but you can also have something that's been going for decades. Often people say to me, I can't imagine yes. spending all day yes. or working with my partner. Yeah. But again, yeah. I don't think, I mean, you know, I mean, I mean you, you tell me, are you sitting next well, we, to each other don't. every day? No, no, no. 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 So we no. talk during the day. But yeah. we don't, I mean, you've got, you've got a desk in the office. Yeah, I've got a desk in the office. And you're, you're in occasionally, because yeah. most of the time you're out. We don't sit next to each other all day. No. We're not just together discussing no. the business. Although we have done in the past. We did go through patches in the past where we were sharing an office because our job roles were different than as we were discussing earlier. And it just kind of worked, didn't it? But I get that a lot from people. I get that from girlfriends a lot. People saying to me, oh my God, I can't believe that you work together. There is no way I could work with my husband. I'd kill him. I think there's a lot of mysticism around it. Just striking a balance, I think, Mm, is the key to it, really. It It is. It's just managing it and dealing with the wonderful distraction, you know, disruption. And the information and everything that's kind of coming at us. So don't Mm. think about when you can talk and when you can't talk. Just Just go with the flow, really, yeah. Yeah. And the interesting thing thing is if we ever stopped doing this this particular business we would start another business together mm, definitely interesting yeah we would definitely start oh, yeah, another we've, business we've talked together. about it yeah we've talked about other ideas and stuff none of which are, are concrete at the moment we would definitely start another business of some description I together just find it far easier working with someone that yeah. you live with yeah because they is. understand yeah when you have to work late or yeah. you have to go and meet a client or yeah. do whatever they understand why you're yeah. not home for dinner or yeah. mm, why yeah. you've got to go out on a saturday Absolutely. and meet a customer yeah or, i love the fact that I work with somebody who absolutely 100% has my back. Nothing negative actually comes to mind about working together. But the one really positive for me that stands out is the fact that I've got somebody who really supports me 100%. And actually, he'd support me even if he thought I was wrong. He would support me in front of other people. He might say to me privately, actually, that probably wasn't the best idea. That probably wasn't the best thing to do. But in front of other people, he wouldn't do that. And likewise, I would be exactly the same. It's a bit like with your kids. You know, when you're bringing kids up, you have to have a united front in front of your kids. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, the kids realise that they can get one parent played off the other. And it's a bit like that with running a business, that you have to have a united front 
And then if there's a problem and you think that I've not dealt with something the way I should or whatever, we have a private conversation about it. But you've never actually been brave enough to do that, have or, you? Or stupid, no. to be honest. <laughs> So it sounds incredible. It sounds like you've got this great balance and... We're and, obviously and, talking about making it sound better. Yeah, exactly. Really. Yeah. So, some days we hate work. Yeah. Everyone does. We never yeah. hate each other, though, but sometimes we no, hate No, no, work. but there are... Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not normal. Sometimes you think, oh, crap, you know, I really don't want to go to the office. Yes. I really can't face people today. That is normal, yeah. We do yeah. both go through that at times, don't we? And especially when work. you feel, you know, like you were saying earlier, you feel that you're sort of knocking on all these doors and you're banging away at something and you're not actually getting anything back from it initially and you think oh god like this is really hard work like can't we just do something a bit simpler everybody has days like that and can you imagine ever doing this with somebody else that's interesting it's a question yeah it's a question we've been asking ourselves because having been really really low a couple of years ago after after brexit and the, the kind of problems that followed that and now we're on the up we are talking to some investors and one of the questions is well can we work with anybody else we would really like to do a deal with somebody but it's got to be a deal that means we carry on working as we are yeah but of course that's difficult because someone investing in the business will want to say in how things are done of course yeah naturally um, so it does does yeah. make it quite tricky and i think maybe being a couplepreneur might make your exit slightly trickier slightly longer in that you have to plan it because we're integral to the business if we want to exit at some point in the future, we need to manage ourselves away yeah. from the centre of the business so it's not so reliant on us. Yeah. So it's challenging that, Mac. Why would you be any more integral to the business than another two co-founders or an entrepreneur? Maybe not. Do, do you, do you no, feel that not. you are? No, I don't no. think it's specific to our business. I think it's unusual in our sector because most of our competitors, for example, aren't couplepreneur businesses. They're so they're all corporates, they? yeah. I agree with you. I would imagine anybody in the situation that we're in is probably faced with the same dilemma, that you are intrinsic to the business because it's your business and you've kind of put yourself in that situation. But then if you want to kind of distance yourself from it and you want to start taking a step back, that's very difficult because you are so intrinsic to the running of the business. Yeah. So yeah, it is it's a balancing act, isn't it, really? You're clearly setting up the business in a much more, you know, you, you were saying earlier about we're just, you know, not quite making it up as we go along, but, but there is sophistication, there is order, there is... We, we're putting yeah. processes in. Yeah, we're lots of processes, order. yes. Because I think we've realised that to keep growing, we need those processes and we need a structure behind yeah. us. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we're probably yeah. winging it slightly less. Yeah, slightly and, less. and you've brought in a GM. Yes. So even by having a GM in there, yeah. that's releasing you. Yeah, yeah. We, that was a, a firm decision that we took. We realised that we needed to go in that direction. So on the removal side of things, actually, we've been quite good, I think, at removing ourselves. To be honest, that runs very well now runs without itself. us yeah. having to be actively involved. The storage is a little different, but then the storage is going to be a little bit different because particularly with the film and TV stuff, it's a bit like starting. It's, an, it's like a startup because it's such a new sector for us. So this is like starting a new business. And really, when you think about it, you wouldn't expect to not be intrinsic for the first couple of years of a new business. You have to be. Yes. Because yeah. it's your business. You've started it. Of course you're going to be intrinsic. Otherwise somebody else would be doing it. So that side of things I don't think is particularly worrying to me. And I think as time goes on and it develops, I think we'll be able to take ourselves out of the equation a little more than we can at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And when we talk about investment, because you were saying that you're looking at investment Yeah, we're looking at, at a number of things at yeah, the moment, we're, aren't we're we? Yeah, we're talking to a few people about, I've seen what we're doing, that, that want to invest in our business. At the moment, we're very, very early stages of kind of 
talking about how it would work. And... We've got a number of options. We've got a number of routes which we think we could take. We're kind of talking around them all, all the time. It's a tricky time for us at the moment because we are in a little bit of a state of flux. But then on the other hand, it's quite a positive time because we have got a lot of business coming in now. Things are much, much better than they were two years ago. Oh, yeah. Let's just touch on that two years ago yeah. because you talked about Brexit. You were saying that Brexit was kind of a, oh, yes. a, a massive thing oh, yes. for you. It, it was because at yeah. that time all of our customers were corporate. They yeah. were all financial, yeah. insurance, city people really. Yeah. And, and as soon as, as the Brexit referendum came out and we were leaving, everybody stopped doing everything. All the projects went on hold. Nobody still knows what's going on, but certainly at that time, nobody had a clue what was going to happen. So they stopped spending, they cut their storage down. We used to lay awake at night worrying about you know, how we're going to pay the bills. But in a way, that was a good thing because it really drove us to, yeah. to get up and... I agree start looking at new markets yeah, and where we could go with it and like, come on we've got all these assets we've got this resource yeah what do we do with it how can we make money how do we keep all these people employed yeah because you really feel you've got a responsibility to the people that work for you yeah so although at the time it was incredibly stressful we lost a lot of sleep yeah now yeah it, it was all part of the learning curve. yeah i think it forced us to be more imaginative actually and to think around the situation and and not just keep doing what we'd been doing We've always been quite good at being innovative, but I think it really forced our hands, really, didn't it? Really, really focused your mind. Yeah, and we started looking very, very closely at the financial situation in our firm and looking at where we were making money, where we weren't making money, which bits were profitable, which bits weren't profitable. And it was around that time that we started to take the decision that we wouldn't replace certain people who were naturally retiring, because actually... Perhaps we didn't need them. They'd always been in that role, but we'd inherited them because that was the way things were always done. But the company was, by then, a very different company to the company that it had been before. So we started looking at that, and that's when we started thinking about outsourcing the accounts and the yeah. payroll, which was good because I had been slightly involved in the accounts side of things. So it then freed up my time to concentrate more on the networking and the marketing and the sales side of things. We identified that we felt, as it turns out quite correctly, that the storage was the real growth area for the company mm. and that the moves, because of the, the way that moves have changed, the nature of relocation has changed, that was an area that was kind of stagnating and in fact shrinking, yeah. wasn't it really? Yeah. You know, hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? But I think it did force us to be a bit more imaginative. So now we're having sleepless nights worrying about how we're going to cope with it all. Yeah, and how we're going to get warehouses big enough to so, so accommodate way, all the sleep, stuff. Sleepless nights. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so when you look back, are you glad that happened? When yeah. you look at where you are now? Probably, actually. Probably now, yeah. yeah. I mean, in the middle of it, we were kind of wringing our hands in despair, weren't we? In the middle of it, think, we were like... And how, how long did that go on for? Oh, it went on for a while, didn't it? was a good it? year. At least Gosh, a year. Yeah. 18 Maybe months. 18 months. And, you know, yeah. during that, I mean, I've got to be honest, during that period, we did think about selling the business. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then part of that looking at selling the business kind of made us look at the business a bit closer yeah. and looked at what we were doing. And, well, actually, look, if we're going to sell it, we need to put certain things into place. So we put them in place, and all of a sudden you're running a really nice business again. Yeah, exactly. Do you think that. without that, you would have taken that view? Without think, that happening? I think we would have done, but I think it might have taken us longer, mm, okay. because the process has actually been quite hard work. The process has been quite painful at times, yeah. and has taken a lot of hard work. And I think we probably would have done bits and pieces, but I think it would have been over a longer period of time. 
And just looking at the investment when you're saying you're at the early stage, often I have lots of conversations with couplepreneurs that may say to me, you know, we've been told not to tell them we're a couple, don't tell them you're married, or just really play it down. How have you been viewed? And also, how do you view yourself in terms of going in? I think we've been viewed fairly positively by the people that we've seen, because I think firstly they can see that we've got a very strong partnership here. So we're not going anywhere. It's our business. We're determined to continue to grow this business and to make it a success. I think people see us as as quite a strong brand, if you like. And also, perhaps because we're a bit older, and I don't know, maybe if people were looking to invest in us and we were in our 20s, there might be potentially some concerns there. There might be concerns just because of a lack of experience in running a business, there are prejudices around people with ageism, etc. And it can work both plus, ways. Plus, you were both in your 20s when you were running this business. Let's exactly. Not, let's not yeah. forget. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But you have the, you yeah. have the experience. Exactly. Yeah. So I think perhaps you're seen as having a little bit more gravitas there because we're older. And also, on a very practical level, I'm not going to be taking time off to bring up a family now. Our daughter has grown up. She's 29. So I think perhaps... That's another consideration for people that... I, I think it's one of the first things we tell people. I think people then see us as a single entity. So they're not dealing with two people running a business yeah. who may go in different directions. Different directions. I think you're right. That's a very valid point. Yeah, people actually. see us yeah. as a, we're running the business the unit, as yeah. a single entity. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, I think that's So I know true. in some negotiations you can end up dealing with, as we have done, two different partners within a business. Yeah. Whereas with us, they just deal with, with us. Yeah. And they know that we're going yeah. to be sticking, whichever way we go. Yeah, we're, we're going, going to be, be it's, it's going to be one voice that they're going to hear. It's going to be one decision. We're both on the same yeah. page. Yeah, I think that's So, Mac, you were saying that you tell people pretty much. That's the first thing we tell them. Yeah. Is it? Okay, yes. okay, yeah. interesting. When you get those meetings, the first time you meet someone, you need something to talk about. So, so what do you say? Just that we're married. Okay, yeah. and, what do, and what do they say? Sometimes they're already aware of it. Some people are already aware yeah. of it. But sometimes they're like, oh, we did wonder, actually. Oh, we weren't sure. And, oh, how do you find that work? I couldn't yes. work with my husband. Yes. I couldn't. And, of course, then kind of warms things up because yes. you're having a conversation a with A personal somebody. conversation where they're getting to know us as people and we're being quite open and honest with them. So, But, it, but also yeah. knowing how you operate as two co-founders Indeed. and a couplepreneur. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As anybody would want to. Yeah. To see what they're buying into, of what course. they're investing in. Absolutely. What you're motivations are yep do you feel that you're stronger together yeah definitely mm. yeah absolutely yeah 100 mm. we're living through a time at the moment of people talking very openly about resilience about yep. vulnerability about mental health yeah so how do you feel that your mental health is as a couplepreneur and running this business because you've clearly gone through yeah a lot haven't yeah, you in the absolutely. last sort of three or four years yeah and i think it, as a couplepreneur, I think you go through issues to do with the business, but by virtue of the fact that you're a couple, you also go through family issues, you go through personal issues, which if you weren't a married couple, if you weren't together, you wouldn't go through that. So, for example, there's been a lot of bereavement in my family. I've lost a lot of relatives close to me, which has an effect on your mental health, definitely. It absolutely does. And we lost Callie's mum earlier this year, in January this year, which yes. has had a very profound effect on the whole family as well. And we do find 
things stressful. We we do. I, I'd be life. I sat here now and said, oh no, everything's wonderful. We never get stressed about anything. We do. And we're both people who feel stress quite a lot, feel it quite keenly. And I think one of the difficult things for me in the early years when we were first together was McCallie had kind of been brought up with the idea that if you feel stress, you are weak in some way. Okay. That's a sign of weakness that you shouldn't ever have to admit. So you can't admit to feeling that you're stressed about something because if you say you're feeling stressed it means you're out of control you're not in control of the situation and you're failing in some way I don't believe that's true I, I believe that stress is a natural human reaction to difficult situations and I also believe that different people find different situations more stressful than others for example I find it very very difficult discussing money with a client I find that very stressful if there's an argument or if there's a discussion, a debate over pricing, for example, I find that very stressful. I don't deal very well with that. Whereas McCallie has no problem. He actually quite enjoys those kind of discussions, batting the ball backwards and forwards. He loves that situation. He treats that a bit like buying and selling houses and buying and selling cars and things. He, he really, you know, he gets a kick out of that. Whereas I tend to do presentations to large groups of people. He finds those situations very stressful. Mm. So... People shouldn't see being stressed as a sign of being weak. It's nothing to do with that. Um, and I think you're much better now at saying when you are feeling stressed about something. You've beaten that into me over the years. <laughs> I'm too stressed not to sound stressed now. But I know the signs now, so I will actually draw him out with it. Because I did a mental health first aid course last year. So okay. mental health is a, is a really big thing for me it's a very important subject for me I know the signs now having you know known him for so many years I tend to gently draw him out and try and find out what it is that's the particular trigger at mm. that time sometimes it works sometimes you don't yeah, want to talk about I it and that's fine I don't think but stress is entirely bad I think no I don't think it is either I think you need a certain level of stress to drive you on to make you think to make you focus I suppose when it goes over a certain point then it becomes a bad thing. Yeah, it does. And everybody's trigger point is different. Yeah, absolutely it is. Mm. Yeah, um, it is. But I've yeah. got a life without stress would be so dull, wouldn't it? Yeah. And, you, um, and you have lots of positive stress, I think, going on at the moment yeah, with your yeah. new market sectors and bringing in new people yeah. into the business as exactly. well. Exactly. So I'm going to pretend to open the door now and there's going to be a, an aspiring couplepreneur that come in. They have a business idea. They're just starting out. What one piece of advice would you give wow. them? One piece of advice. I think probably keep talking to each other don't shut the other one out that's what i would say because i think that would be the one yeah, that's brilliant yeah that would have been mine as well <laughs> still my lines <laughs> you've got to have one each yeah i, I okay. think that would be the worst possible thing would be if McCallie was to shut me out from something for, for example we were talking about stress a few moments ago if he was feeling stressed about something but was trying to cover it up and sometimes you can do it for good reasons you can do it because you don't want to upset the other party you don't want to worry them you don't want to stress them but I think for me the most important thing as a couplepreneur is to keep talking to each other keep the lines of communication open even if you're unhappy with something say that you're unhappy don't just bottle it all up that would be my biggest thing I think so that would have been mine obviously <laughs> Um, no, I think mine would be probably not to not to worry, not to overthink it. Just mm. if you've got an idea, give it a go. Yeah. It's almost like what's the worst that can happen. Great advice. And you're having those ideas kind of all the time, aren't you? At the Pretty moment. much. Yeah. Well, yeah. Actually, actually, is, actually yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Sorry. Fabulous. Along with that is don't be don't be afraid of failure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, everyone has loads of ideas. Yeah. Most of them never work out. Don't be scared of trying something and failing. Yeah. Trying something and then saying because oh, you didn't learn work out. Yeah. from every failure. God, we've had loads of them. Yeah. 
from every failure you learn something and to be honest if you don't try anything you won't fail you won't have any life experience either that's when you end up just doing nine to five every day Mm. in the same job for 50 years and if you knew then what you know now would you have done it or would you have done anything differently I think I probably would have tried to do it sooner that's exactly that's exactly (laughs) that's amazing that's exactly I mean genuinely you two should work together (laughs) we should shouldn't we we should be married Is there an option? No, where were we? <laughs> the, the downside of being in a family business is, especially an old business, is that there was us very young, there was my parents who were a bit older, mm. maybe kind of stuck in their ways a little yeah, bit. Yeah, a little bit, um, yeah. which is understandable. And you yeah. sort of, you do tend to defer to your parents. It's what you do naturally. Definitely, yeah. I think maybe if it had just been us on our own, yeah. we would have done it Definitely. sooner. Okay. But on the other hand, it's not all about business. You know, still have a very good relationship. Oh, excellent, yeah. And my dad and my mum passed away this year, yeah. but, you know, we never fell out. Absolutely never. Even though sometimes we would think, well, actually, come on, we should be doing more yeah. of this. We never, ever um, let it spill over. And I think that's more important. Particularly with what happened with your mum and the fact that she did pass away. I'm so yeah. glad that we never did. We're not that, that kind of people. We're not particularly confrontational people, to be honest. But we always think that it's better to, to do things in a soft way and to kind of lead people to your way of doing things rather than to bang your fists on the table and demand. I think perhaps if the family business had been perhaps siblings rather than parent-child, it might have been easier to move things on more quickly because there wouldn't be that hierarchy there. But because it's parents and us, I think that makes a difference, actually. But, you know, we are where we are now and... We're just glad that we are in this situation now. It would have been great if we could have done this a few years ago, but we couldn't, and we've done no. it now, and that's the most important thing. But then we don't know if that industry was ready for us then. Precisely, you know, yeah. We, we were lucky. We hit, we've hit certain industries just when they the right through change. Yeah, that's right. So, There's a lot of luck. Yeah. What would you tell your 21-year-old self? See, with me, I'd, I'd have invested earlier in property and stuff. Would you? Yeah, when it was cheap. I think I probably would have gone into networking sooner than I did. Because I think if I had done, I think the company might not have got into the difficulties that it did, say rather arrogantly, the difficulties that the company got into around the whole Brexit thing. I think if I'd had more of a networking structure in place in advance of that, it might have been a bit more of a buffer there. But one thing I really would stress to couplepreneurs... Um, particularly people perhaps setting out on the journey, is that they shouldn't underestimate the value of networking, both in terms of attracting direct business on the one hand, but also the very essence of building up that family of people around you that can help you and that can give you advice, but that can also introduce you to other people in different sectors. So that's one thing I would say is don't neglect the networking. The networking is a very important part of what they do. I I think I'd be along the same lines in terms of being more collaborative. For a very long time, I was very stuck on this idea that we were independent. We didn't talk to anyone else in the industry. We did our own thing. And that's good. I think what we do now is more collaborative. We should have done that earlier on yeah I think I think you're right wonderful so I just want to say a huge thank you to you that was so interesting um, and fascinating kind of hearing what has gone on in the last 119 years (laughs) I think particularly the density of ideas and innovation that's happened in the last kind of you know I would say three or four years so and as you say you know I don't want people to kind of think this is easy and that we don't have you know good and bad days Uh, because it's it's challenging I think the future is going to be 
very, very interesting. I'm sure you'll have lots of investors coming to you because I think it's a fabulous and phenomenal business. So, Michelle, Michali, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.